uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello, welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. Another week, episode 53. This week, though... Flying solo. There is no guest. Uh, we will have a guest on next week, but this week just so happened to be no one on. Um, so I thought I'd take this opportunity to sort of turn this into a special episode um, and, and tell some stories. But I thought I wanted to grab the stories from you. So I jumped on my Instagram page and I sort of asked if anyone out there had any wild gig stories that they wanted to be put on the podcast and spoken about um, and the response that I got back was absolutely wild. Some are not allowed on the podcast because I think they take the episode down. There are some crackers on there and we're going we're gonna to get to them. We're going to read a couple of the wild gig stories from people uh, who listen to the podcast. But I hope your week has been good. Hope you had a nice weekend. Um, I had my Bucks party, so... I'm still recovering from that, even though it's Wednesday and I was partying on Saturday, still just trying to get my brain back. And uh, we went to the races on Saturday and then went into the city on Saturday night where we ended up walking what felt like a marathon to get to this karaoke bar. And uh, by the time we got there, we'd had a couple of drinks And when I mean a couple, I mean close to a hundred, it felt. I don't think we were received too well at the karaoke bar, so much so that uh, I did get banned. So... (laughs) I um look it was it was it was a banning for the night. The guy that was running the karaoke, he saw me get up to try and do She Loves You by the Beatles and um he wasn't too appreciative of my death metal screams <laughs> midway through the song and he said, "Look, I think I think you can't be back up here. I think I'm going to have to ban you from karaoke for the night." My brother called me the next day and he said, "Even though you got banned, it's actually me who got banned because you sang the song under my name. So I went up when they said, Ryan Fraser, are you here to sing this song? I just took his song. And that's when I was carrying on like an idiot. I think by the end, most of us got banned. But that was our Saturday night and the night <laughs> I am recovering from. But like I said, just at the top of the episode, I hit everyone up on Instagram I said, to celebrate close to a year of the podcast, I want to record a special one, including you. DM me your wildest gig stories, and I will read them out in this week's episode. You can remain anonymous if you'd like. And I know there are a few people that might be listening that are probably hoping that I uh, I remember that they want to remain anonymous, and, uh, and that will be the case. But this first one, this is the first wild gig story that I got sent in from Indy. He says, when me and my brother were in our late teens, early 20s, we used to try and get backstage at every gig. We would get to gigs early, scope the venue out hours before anyone rocked up. We had Acer Arena, which is now kudos down to an art. The most memorable one is getting on stage during the last song of the Kiss set. 
I crawled all the way under the grandstand to get to the stage area and ran past security onto the stage. I surprised Paul Stanley and he booted me with his 10-inch heels. Then his American security guards dragged me outside around the back and they told me they were going to belt me and I was absolutely shitting it. That is pretty wild. On stage with Kiss, I have a feeling that I have seen the video to that somewhere on YouTube and those boots that he wears, that would ache getting belted by one of them. So Indy also dropped another story. He said, if you want another one, because Indy is a serial stage hopper. He loves <laughs> to get on stage. It's like a, it's a high that he, he loves to get. It's kind of similar to my younger brother, Ricky, but he says, when Trivium came to Australia, we would go see them maybe four or five times. And every single time we would get backstage in some different way at different venues. He says, when we saw them at the big top at Luna Park, we hid in their dressing room toilet from the early afternoon before they rocked up. When they got in, we popped out and scared the shit out of them, but they had a beer with us and then walked us out and said, enjoy the show. Years later, I like this part. Years later, they were asked in an interview for Metal Hammer UK what their craziest fan story was. And they said, every single time we go to Australia, these two long-haired twins break backstage somehow to hang with us. We never know when they're going to pop up. <laughs> that is great. So that's Indy and his brother, Jesse. Shout out to you, Jesse. Uh, I, I know you both pretty well. A lot more tame these days than you used to be. I still think you've got one more in yours. I think when Kiss or when Trivium come back to Australia, you've got to jump up there one final time. Who gives a shit if you're in your 30s now? You've got to do it. Give the people what they want. Uh, this one is from tour manager Bob. He wrote in last night, he says, here's what happened to me on the big day out 2012 after I tour managed Girl Talk for the day. After everything was packed up and everyone was back safe and sound, we all headed out to the after party. Everything was going fine. We are all having a few drinks for free, which was rad. I got all starstruck over seeing Chris Lilly, but that's about the last thing I remember. I do not remember leaving. I do not remember walking home. My next conscious memory was standing downstairs in the lobby, naked, holding on to the do not disturb, please make my room sign, and a man from the hotel was asking if I was all right. I'm guessing I slept, walked down to the lobby and just ended up there around 4.30 the next morning. Then, <laughs> this is a, it gets worse, two Qantas stewardesses checking in after getting in from an international flight Walked up and were just staring at me butt nude. I managed to get back to bed and back to sleep. But then my next waking moment is of me back down in the lobby again. But this time there's a towel wrapped around my waist and the hotel guy and now a hotel girl are asking me if I'm okay. And can I please follow them and head back up to the elevator and back to the room while the guy said, please, sir, can you please put on some clothes or pajamas? Because if you were going to sleepwalk again, it might save you some embarrassment and hassle. I don't know how you sleepwalk. Like, I don't know the last time that I did sleepwalk. I think uh, I think I might have been in my teenage years or something. But 
to think that you did it twice in one night while you were naked in front of people. Props to you, Bob. Um, the big day out, they are big days. Lots of things happen afterwards. Lots of things happen during, whether it's um, drinking too much alcohol or um, getting involved in all the other stuff that's uh, lingering around the festival. Thank you for sharing that story. I've got another one here from a Frenzel Rom fan. I think this one wants to remain anonymous. She says, I snuck into Bar on the Hill when I was about 15 or 16 to see Frenzel Rom. Great gig, as per usual. Then my friend and I realised that we were stranded in Newcastle with no trains back to the coast. So the big-hearted Frenzel gang gave us a lift back to the coast. There was a big group of us crammed into this car. We were drinking vodka, listening to the Beach Boys for the entire drive. It was so weird seeing these punks totally frothing over the Beach Boys. The drummer had to walk me to my front door when I got home. So this is gaudy. And my dad was standing there looking angry. But then when he realised who I was with, he was absolutely stoked because he loved Frenzel Ron. That's a cracking story. And what about the guys from Frenzel? That's some stellar stuff to make sure that your fans get home. Drive them back to the front door. Beach Boys blaring all the way. Um, You can't beat that. Uh, Pat has also written in. Pat used to play in a band called Bellevue back in the day. They were a Central Coast band. And he says, we went to Port Lincoln to play a gig. And when we got there, we found the venue had been cancelled. The guy who was putting on the show said he'd already secured a new venue. When we drove to the new venue, it was an outlaw MC clubhouse. So no one showed up because they were nervous, so we played in front of a bunch of Vikies. That's scary shit. You don't want that. You don't want to look out at the crowd and the only people there are in vests and tattoos and don't give a shit about punk rock music. What else we got here? Oh, yeah. My friend Tim, he says, you've got to tell the story about the Griswolds in Vegas. So uh, I will do that, Tim. Tim and I flew to the US, drove around the country, and we ended up in Las Vegas. And we knew that the Griswolds were playing in Vegas that night. And the drummer in the Griswolds is a guy that we know. Uh, I played footy with him back in the day and um, just so happened to be he ended up in this kick-ass band with another guy that we know as well. So we're like, we need to go to this gig. We need to get into the gig. Let's try and contact the boys. And because we were over there, our phones weren't working, you know, how they should, whatnot. So we couldn't contact them. And we go up to the ticket booth and they say, sorry, boys, show is sold out. And we're at the House of Blues in Las Vegas and we're like, like, are you sure you can't just squeeze in two more? And he's like, no, show is completely sold out. You know, better luck next time. Our dreams of seeing the guys that we knew in this band playing overseas, we thought it was going to be such a cool experience. Basically, looked like it had been shot in the foot. That dream is over. And then we looked next door at the uh, restaurant and we're like, hey, I wonder if there's access to the venue from the restaurant next door. And we walked into the restaurant and we saw a door at the back of the room. We're like, well, 
let's just see where that leads. And uh, walked to the back of the restaurant, hit the doors open. That led to a stairwell and we could hear the music. So we're like, okay, we must be close. So we run down this stairwell and as we're running down the stairwell, we can hear the music getting louder and louder, which means obviously we're close to the gig. We get to the door, push it open almost at the exact same time that we pushed the door open, the Griswold started playing on stage and we were in, we were in at the venue watching the boys play. But when the door opened, the security guards noticed that door. It must have been a fire exit or something. Just kick open all this light come through on the venue that was dark and everyone's sort of looking at us. And I just said, Tim, run. So we're just running through the mosh, just trying to get ourselves lost and not seen by the security. And we did it. Mission accomplished. The security guards didn't see us and we got to watch the boys all night. That is the story about us catching the Griswolds in Las Vegas. Um, Tim gets a mention in another story as well. Kongi says, hey, remember the time that Tim drank the tip jar <laughs> before Lack Wagon and he had blue mouth the rest of the night? That was a night out in Sydney. Um, I think I've got the photo of that somewhere. It's hilarious. And the tip jar sitting there, obviously it had all this uh, this blue syrupy sort of mixture in there to try and deter people from taking money from the tip jar. And we didn't take the money, but for some reason Tim said, oh, I might have a crack at this and have a drink. Um, obviously, once again, a few beers deep. And he sculled the tip jar. <laughs> and his whole mouth was completely blue. Um, but you live and you learn. Uh, Scotty wrote in, he says... My wild uh, gig would have to be bendering into a sound wave. And at the end of the day, night, after all the <clears throat> that I consumed, the next day, my friend had to call an ambo because he had had too many Red Bulls. <laughs> Look, some people aren't cut out for it. It's a bit too much for some. I've had too many Red Bulls before and thought I was going to die. Peter says, there was the time I snapped my ankle ligaments in the mosh at a something with numbers gig in Newcastle. That would hurt. Ouch. Another one from someone else says the time some chick tried to fill in the blanks me off in the, uh, in the mosh of a gig in Sydney. Um, that is wild. There you go. Right there. It's a strange place to do it. It's a strange place to, uh, so give that a give that a crack. But I want to say thanks to everyone who has written in this week. Obviously, like I said, and as you know, we don't have a guest this week. So I thought I wanted to fill it with plenty of wild stories or any stories from gigs that we had. Um, there are a few more that are coming in. I might use them for other episodes. But thank you to anyone who has written in. You've uh, you've made this enjoyable. This has been great. All right, it's time for this. <laughs> Yeah, this is the part of the show where you can write on in. Go to the streetpresspodcast.com. Uh, you write it. I'll read it. There's two tabs there. You can click letters, which is this segment, or you can click the request tab, which Tim Travers did this week. Basically, you can request an artist that you think that I should have on the Street Press podcast, and I'll do all the rest. I'll go hunting and see if they'd like to be on. Um, Tim says, check out a band called Durry. I find this band's video clips very entertaining and Coming of Age is a great song. So I did have a look and funnily enough, Pat, who gave us one of his 
gig stories in this episode. He actually looks like the singer of Durry. I'm going to hit him up, Tim. I'll hit him up for you and see if they would like to jump on the street press. I'm sure they would give a very interesting chat. As for my band, the Ritzy Kids, uh, we've got a few things happening. Obviously, the EP is out at the moment, Walking Talking Mess. You can grab that anywhere you stream music. We're working on some gigs. So we do have a gig. Our EP launch is coming up at the Lincoln Pin in Woi Woi. It's a free show. You want to get there early because the venue is actually not that big. It's on September 22. It's still ages away, but I thought I'd just remind you there anyway. And if you want to check out any of the Ritzy Kids music, any of the music videos, hit up the Ritzy Kids. Also, if you are a fan of this podcast, give me a five-star review. It really helps getting this audience bigger. I mean, I love talking about music each week. I love having artists on each week. It's uh, it's the best part of my week. And uh, it'd be nice to, you know, expand what we're doing, get more people listening, get more people in on the street press. And next week is actually the birthday episode of the street press. Next week, a year ago... I did the very first interview for this podcast with Lindsay from Friends of Rom. Uh, we had a chat at the Wombrel Surf Club in my car. It was a really strange way to kick off a podcast, but that's how we did it. Uh, so next week, birthday bells, everything. It's all happening. Make sure that you tune on in. I hope you have a great week. Until then, ta-da. Ta-da.